When my son was 14 years old, he began high school in a new town and set off to school that first Thursday morning knowing not one single person. And when he returned home later that afternoon, I met him at the door. How'd it go? How'd it go? He paused, then said grimly, didn't know a soul. I just kind of lurched around the edges. And oh, every one of us knows that feeling. Every one of us has had a time in our lives when we've lurched around the edges and, and as a parent or a grandparent or aunt or uncle or friend of some young person making a transition somewhere new this fall at this back to school time of the year, we dread that potential struggle for them. Wouldn't you gladly bear every bit of the discomfort and the awkwardness and the loneliness for them? Bear the lurching. I've noticed in recent years that colleges and universities are starting to recognize the extreme difficulty of beginning, so they bring freshmen in early for wilderness trips or city tours, and these days, Zoom meetups so that group bonding experiences can help you lock in a, a friend group before you even arrive on campus. And I think that's great because let's face it, feeling like you are on the outside looking in, feeling like you, do, you don't belong, it's one of the hardest things we ever go through. And that's why I asked you to wear name tags this morning. And if you don't have one yet, you can grab one on your way to coffee hour, unless you can promise me that you already know the name of every single human being in this room, even masked, then I want you to study those name tags and call each other by your names. And if you're watching the live stream this morning, I want you to jump in the chat and introduce yourself there and visit virtual coffee hour afterwards and introduce yourself there. Why? Because connecting and belonging matter. Belonging is it's fundamental to our well-being. It's, it's fundamental to our very souls. That's why we come to church in person if we can or we join an online church service, instead of just praying on our own, building little shrines in our own homes, worshiping all by ourselves, we belong to God's kingdom, not off in some corner by ourselves. So, so what are we to make of today's passage from Mark's gospel, this hard, horrible passage in which Jesus rejects a non-Jewish woman, in other words, a Gentile, a mother, no less, distraught over her little daughter's illness. How can this be? How can Jesus, the great lover of our souls, treat her this way? The woman, a Syrophoenician, heard about Jesus and she came and bowed down at his feet. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, and this is the awful part, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Jesus, it seems, believes that he's come to serve the Israelites alone, not the people of other traditions, and he compares anyone who's not Jewish to a dog, which is 
It's a huge insult in those days before we adored our dogs the way that we do now. Dogs then were like rats today, vermin. Jesus is essentially calling this woman and her daughter subhuman. A debate endures over why Jesus first rejects this desperate woman. Some say, well, after all, he's fully human and fully divine, and we've just caught him on a fully human day. And, and he's simply revealing his human side. And, and as hard as it is for us to imagine that, a fully human Jesus could have shared some of the prejudices of his day. Maybe he really looked at the world sometimes like another, any other first century man believing in the superiority of his own religion and his own culture, expecting other people uh, outside the faith, like a woman who is a Gentile, to be impure, unclean. Add to that the fact that men did not talk to strange women on the street, Jewish, Gentile, or otherwise. And finally, because this woman's child is, is thought to be possessed by a demon, that would render her and her mother untouchable. So for all these reasons, all these cultural reasons, maybe that's why Jesus rejects her. That's what people who believe this, this uh, version of events would say. They would say that even Jesus is found here to be participating in an unjust system, just like we all participate in unjust and oppressive systems. Systems like racism, America's great sin. So this version of the understanding of the passage, we can call it the even Jesus makes mistakes version. And the thing that makes this version bearable, that makes it even powerful, well, maybe it helps us face up to our own prejudices and like Jesus, overcome them because he does overcome his. In this story, he goes from calling this poor woman and her daughter a dog to praising her faith and healing her daughter, long distance no less. Okay, so that's the even Jesus makes mistakes version. The other way to understand how Jesus could speak cruelly to a desperate mother, street theater. <laughs> He's putting on a little performance, pretending to condemn this poor woman when in fact, by calling her a dog, he's egging her on, challenging her, even, even though she's not Jewish, to lay claim to her place in God's kingdom, her right to love and healing. And all of the onlookers, they can see this play out right in front of their eyes, the truth of his teaching that we heard just last week that purity comes not from social categories judging us from the outside in, but from our hearts. And the woman does claim her place. When Jesus calls her a dog, she shoots back, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. In other words, I know I'm not Jewish, but I belong all the same. We all need to eat. Feed my daughter. And we can call this the Jesus makes a point version. In this version, Jesus is pretending to represent the establishment, judging this woman, calling her unworthy. By egging her on, he's getting her to lay publicly claim to her right to be there. I'm somebody. I do matter. Because she does. So which is it? Even Jesus makes mistakes or Jesus makes a point about justice and belonging.
A lot of it has to do with the Jesus that you know. If Jesus for you is first and foremost a man, a human being who sort of gradually bit by bit came to understand and grasp that he was being called by God, then you can probably believe that as a human he would stumble. That day, tired and overworked and grumpy, that he would snap at an innocent woman and even insult her with a slur. If Jesus for you is first and foremost a divine and all-knowing being, then you might be in the Jesus makes a point camp thinking he could never speak such cruel words without a greater purpose, the purpose of changing minds and hearts. Either way, God is so very much in this story, using Jesus to pour out grace because Jesus heals the little girl, casting out the demon from afar, and healing here happens. A distraught mother finds relief, and we see God's light and love pouring out of Jesus, whether he means for it to or not, and pouring out of that woman too as she throws herself at his feet and shows her faith in God to help and heal. So what would it be like for us to live this way? Yes, of course, we are bound by our own culture, the good things and the bad things, but what if we could also realize that like Jesus, we are simultaneously capable of being vessels for the constant outpouring of the energy of God's kingdom, kingdom energy, kingdom power, pouring out of us, energy roaring, roaring out to this hurting world where everybody needs to feel that they belong, belong to each other and belong to the life of the kingdom. And why, again, is this feeling of belonging so vitally important to all that we do? Because when we feel like we belong, we feel more whole. And when we feel more whole, filled to the brim with the knowledge of God's love for us, then we want to share it. We want everyone to feel that way. And that's why we're here, to share God's love. We are not made by God to lurch around the edges of this amazing life that we've been given. We are not made by God to allow others to lurch around the edges either. We're made by God as messengers of love, as vessels of light, and welcomers of the kingdom. We're made to feed and be fed. And God is counting on us to welcome, welcome, welcome all comers. Amen.